2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 10 tonight. And we're going to dissect that uh, script, the scripture here, and prayerfully you'll find that there's a lot of nuggets there for you to take back with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, verses 7 through 10, and I'm going to, uh, let's see here, is there a volunteer that can, would like to read this? See if I can get anybody. Okay, thank you. Whichever one makes you feel comfortable. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, For tonight, and this is what I want to talk about tonight, and I truly believe that it will help all of us. I want to talk about a thorn in the midst of ministry. A thorn in the midst of ministry. If you and I are not careful as we have this walk in faith, as we continue to walk with God, a lot of times we tend to hear about all the good side of ministry, people laughing and joking with one another, the various fellowships that we have, whether it's inside these four walls or even outside of the four walls. And that is all well and good. There should be good fellowship. There should be times where we laugh and talk and and sit down and uh, get to know one another and continue to build relationships. But there's a side of ministry that we rarely like to talk about. There's a side of ministry that we tend, if we're not careful, we'll sweep it under the rug. And that side of ministry, sometimes, brothers and sisters, ministry can be messy. It can be hard. And it can be messy. It can be dirty. And again, that's just something that we don't like to talk about. And in my notes tonight, I want to read something to you because, again, tonight is for you. Because many times we are just like the clown. When you think about a clown, what's the job of a clown? Make people happy, right? Make people laugh. Make people smile. People are, and make them just plain out happy. But here's my question I want to pose to you tonight. When the clown needs a smile, where does he go? Because he's so busy making everybody else smile, grin, and laugh, and pour into everybody else. But when he's down, when he's out, when he's feeling sad and depressed, where does the clown go to get a smile? And you may ask the question tonight, well, I'm not a clown, brotherhood. No, I didn't call you a clown. But a lot of times if we're not careful, we're so busy pouring into other people. We're so busy ministering to other people and lifting other people up and building other people up. And granted, we ought to do that. But there will come times in our lives if we have not got to that point yet. As a senior pastor told me once upon a time, if you've never been sad, you've never been depressed, if you've never, the alarm clock has gone off sometime in the morning and you just feel like pulling the covers over your head and not even getting up, if you've never felt like that, 
keep getting up in the morning. Because there will come a time where you're not happy all the time or joyful all the time. There, there are times where circumstances, situations, things that happen in your life and in my life, these things happen to us and we still have to press on. But here's my question. How do we deal with it? Because if we're no good to ourselves, we're definitely not good to anybody else. And so let me read this to you because, again, this is about you and I tonight, not the people outside because we're going to get to them. We're going to go back and prayerfully when we leave here tonight, we'll come in contact with somebody. God will put somebody in our path that we will continue to uplift, build them up, pour into them. But if we're going to be any good to them, We've got to make sure that we know how to handle life and when we are pressed with a thorn and even have to carry that thorn around for quite some time in our lives. Those of us who preach the gospel, those of us who may even uh, teach the gospel, we always have to watch out for Satan. Because if you and I don't watch out for Satan, he will urge you and I to preach and teach a gospel that is reasonable but not powerful. A gospel that is exciting, but it has no authority. A gospel that flatters, but doesn't turn people upside down so it can turn them right side up. Brothers and sisters, it's very doubtful that God will use you and I greatly until he first of all hurts you and I deeply. If you're not careful we want to be in the spotlight. We want people to, to come to us. We want people to seek you and I for advice and everything. And don't get me wrong, that's great. And we, we sometimes say to God, God, here I am. Use me. But here's the thing I want to make sure that I warn you about tonight that we're going to find out in the text. If you truly want God to use you, be careful what you ask. Be careful of what you ask God for. Because before God can use you greatly, he first of all has to hurt you and I very deeply. And we'll find that out in the text tonight. Because Dr. Billy Graham once said that if you and I are going to be a child of God, you and I will have to be on good speaking terms with trials and tribulation. See, if you're going through life and you think that if you're not careful, again, I said earlier, you hear about all the good side of ministry. But there is a side that we don't like to talk about a whole lot. There is a side of ministry where no matter how well you do, people will hurt your feelings. You ever did something and you stood back and you thought you did a great job? You sacrificed your time, effort, and even some resources. And you stood back and just said, wow. And you were proud of yourself for what you did. And then here comes somebody else. And they have the nerve and the audacity to say, you could have did a little bit better. And here's the sad part about it. They didn't sacrifice any time, no resources. When they were asking for volunteers, they didn't volunteer. They didn't sign up or anything. But you took the time out. And then somebody came along. And just a few words like that kind of hurt your feelings. Sometimes even make you mad. Sometimes if you're like myself, and I have to be honest, when somebody say things like that, I have to ask, ask God, God, hold my mouth, hold my tongue. 
Sometimes people don't understand why Brian Hood just walked out. Well, it's good that I walked out because if I said something, it might not have been to the glory of God. I guess I'm the only one that's ever experienced that. But that's okay, though. I, I like to be honest and truthful. But if God is going to use you and I, then you and I must realize and understand that pain and trouble will know our dress. John 16 and 33 said, Jesus said in this world that you and I will have tribulations. And I think sometimes we only read that first part of the scripture there, but we leave out the second part. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And so as we look into tonight's text, and we're looking at a thorn in the midst of ministry, there's a couple of things. There's three things, verses 7 through 10, point out. That's for you and I. That Paul is experiencing here right now in the text. And if you are going to be effective, if God is going to use you and I greatly in the kingdom and for the kingdom, then you and I need to understand and realize these three things that are pointed out in verses 7 and 10. Now, before we get to those three things, again, Paul, we're talking about Paul tonight. Paul here in 2 Corinthians, he's the one that has written the text. He was a Jew by birth. He was a Roman by citizenship. Paul was also a tent maker that the Bible tells us. He was a tent maker by trade and a lawyer by profession. He was a Pharisee by religious training. He spoke 13 languages and seven of them fluently. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin and he was circumcised on the eighth day. That's who we're talking about tonight. And when we look at the text tonight and we think about Paul and we think about all that Paul is going through and what he's dealing with currently, Paul, even with all of his credentials and the labels of the empire was on his luggage, Paul had been everywhere preaching and teaching the gospel. And now Paul is about to come to the end of his life journey and look what God has done. Right just about before the end of his life journey, God has the nerve and the audacity to afflict this man with a thorn. Now, I want you to notice here, if you have your Bible or electronic device, whatever it is that you use, let's look at verse number 7. I want you to notice something very unique about verse 7 if you have not already picked up on it. Notice in the text, it says, And least I should be exalted above measures through the abundance of the revelation there was given to me a thorn in the flesh and a messenger of Satan to buffet me. And again, look what it says. Least I should be exalted above measures. The same way verse 7 opens is the same way that verse number 7 closed. And you may ask the question and again, Brother Hood, why is that so significant? What, what, what does that have to do with me? And here's the reason why, and, and, and why verse 7 opens and closes the same way. Because, brothers and sisters, unless you and I think very highly of ourselves, and sometimes if we're not careful in ministry, we tend to think that we are more than what God has called us. And so God has to find a way to keep you and I, to keep our feet on the ground. If you're not careful in ministering to people and helping people and helping to build people up, if you and I are not careful, sometimes we tend to get the big head. You ever told somebody how well of a job they've done or good of a job they've done? 
and you pat them on the back, and then all of a sudden you, you watch them long enough. I don't know about you, but it seems like the head sometimes just get a little bit bigger and bigger. Sometimes if we're not careful in doing ministry, sometimes we begin to think it is we ourselves that's actually doing the work and not God. And so God has to find a way to keep you and I, keep our feet, to the ground. He has to keep us rooted and grounded above measure because if you and I start glorying in ourselves, God cannot get the glory. And no matter how messy ministry may be, no matter how dirty ministry can get, no matter who may hurt your feelings, no matter how bad somebody may uh, make you feel or you may feel underappreciated, you and I still have a mandate to conduct ourselves in such a way that it is pleasing and it gives glory to the Father. Because no flesh can glory in God's presence. God is the foundation from which all else flows, and he is the root which all else grows. And no flesh can glory in God's presence. Now, let's look at the points here tonight. Let's look at the three points, and then I definitely want to open up the floor for discussion because I want to hear your thoughts, your experience, and let's uh, learn from one another. But here's the first thing. Here's the first thing that Paul had to understand, that God had to get him to understand about a thorn in the midst of ministry. First thing that Paul noticed here in verses 7 through 10, Paul realized and Paul understood the pain of the thorn. He understood the pain. Now, I know for many of us, that's a bad word. How many in here tonight, you love pain? Nobody? Wow, okay. I don't love it either. But Paul here tonight in the text, Paul, first of all, had to realize and understand the pain of the thorn. Now, I realize and I want to make sure that you understand when we talk about a thorn, Paul is talking about the, not only the pain, but the thorn that Paul is talking about in the text tonight. When you look at that word thorn in the Bible tonight, it does not mean the thorn that you and I are accustomed to. When you think about a thorn, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Roses, right? Somebody said roses. Okay, great. But that's not what Paul is talking about. What Paul is talking about in the text tonight, Paul has a wooden stake driven right in his side. That's the thorn that the text speaks about tonight. It's not the little bitty thorn that you and I are accustomed to. So I want to make sure that you understand when Paul is talking, Paul is in some bad pain tonight. Paul is not smiling. Paul is not laughing. He's not grinning, but he is actually hurting. And you may ask the question again, why is that so significant? Why should that be so important? Because there will be times in your life and in the midst of ministry, you won't always be laughing. You won't always be smiling. Everybody else in the room may be joking, smiling, and laughing, but there will be times where you won't because you will have this thorn to deal with. And so Paul has this wooden stake driven into his side. It's, it hurts. It's painful. And tonight, brothers and sisters, whatever is hurting you and I, God allows it to be there, close to God. 
Because if it was not for the thorn, then we couldn't be all that God wants us to be. Now, let me ask you this question tonight. What happened? What, how do you think we would be as Christians if everything went well in our life? No pain. Everybody liked you. Everybody commented you and gave you great compliments on everything you did. I mean, nothing bad happened to you. You never got sick or anything. What would your walk be like with God? Prideful. Anybody else? Null and void. Complacent. Anybody else? How many of you would actually pray if your life was just perfect, no worries, never got sick or anything? How many of you would actually really spend some time just praying with God anyhow? How many of you would spend time reading and studying the Word? How many of you would even actually come to a setting like this on Wednesday night or Sunday morning? I see somebody with they doing like this. Okay, great. So hopefully you get my point in what I'm trying to convey, what I'm trying to uh, get over to you. That a lot of times it's not that God doesn't have anything better to do. It's not that God is trying to figure out how he can make you and I just miserable and oh, sad and depressed. But God has not only to find a way to keep you and I grounded, but he also has to find a way to keep you and I close to him. Because if he doesn't, left up to our own devices, left up to ourselves, we would stray further and further away from God. And so we have to remember, brothers and sisters, this thorn that Paul asked God to remove and God would not remove. One of the things that we have to remember about faith, faith is not you getting what you want, but faith is accepting what God sends your way. I believe that's worth saying one more time. Faith is not getting what you and I want, but faith is about accepting what God sends our way. The Bible tells us without faith, it is impossible to please God. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And we have to learn, brothers and sisters, if we have not already come to these terms and this grip in our life, that we have to learn to accept what God sends our way. And you may say, well, even if it's sickness, yes. Even if there's trouble in my family, yes. If I'm sad, if I'm depressed, if I lose my job, if it seems like the world is come crumbling down all around me, you mean I have to accept it? Yes. Because I did read somewhere in these 66 books that all things work together for good. And so this notion that faith is only faith when Things happen to you and I, as long as we like it, as long as we, I approve of it, or you approve of it, that's not so. But faith is about accepting what God gives you. And Again, here's another question that I want to pose to you. What is it that God has given you or sent your way, and you've had to accept it? And you don't have to answer that out loud, because I do realize and understand there's just some things that's personal, some things that we have to struggle with. 
And nevertheless, even though we may have to struggle with it, we still have to deal with it. Sometimes what God gives is pain. Sometimes what God gives is suffering. Sometimes what God gives is heartbreak, trials, and tribulations. And God sometimes does it on a daily basis. The notion, if you're not careful, you have so many preachers and teachers with this prosperity gospel. Always say that today is your day. Have you ever heard somebody say, today is your day? I dare not stand here and tell you that today is your day. And here's the reason why I dare not tell you that. It's because I don't know what season of life God may have you in right now. It could be a season of plenty, but it also could be a season of drought. Where everything is dried up right now in your life, where God has cut out so much in your life. And you don't understand, you've been coming to church, you've been praying, you've been staying in the Word, and yet it just seems like sometimes life is a struggle. But remember what I said earlier, faith is not about you and I getting what we want, but it's about accepting what God gives. And so pain is the megaphone that God uses to get the attention of a listening generation. When we notice here in the text, I want you to look at something else that stands out in the text. Satan is the one that brought the thorn, but God is the one that sent it. Now, I want you to think about that. Satan is the one that brought the thorn, but God is the one that sent the thorn. Again, you may ask the question now, again, Brother Brian, why should that be so important to me? Why does that stand out in the text to you? And here's the reason why it stands out. And I want to make sure that you understand this. Don't give Satan glory for what God is up to in your life. Don't give Satan all the glory of things that's happening to you and I. Could it be that is God the one that's up, up to things in our lives? Because if we're not careful, the human mind and the way that we think a lot, if something bad happens, you have bad in one category here, and in the middle you have the equal sign, and on this side is Satan. So if I'm sick, it must equal Satan. If there's a bad divorce or a split up in a family, you have that on this side, you have the equal sign in the middle, and then we put Satan. If I end up with cancer, or some type of bad disease on this side, and I have the equal sign in the middle, it has to be Satan. That's not always the case. Because when we look here at the text tonight, Paul again has the thorn, and yes, Satan is the one that brought it, but God is the one that sent it. And so here's the thing I want to make sure that you understand. There is not anything that happens in your life and in my life, number one, that catches God off guard. Now, it may catch you and I off guard, and we may not necessarily be expecting whatever happened to us and the news that we get, but it does not catch God off guard. But here's the other thing that I also want to make sure that you understand. While it doesn't catch God off guard, there are times when God gives Satan permission to do some things to you and I. 
if you don't believe me, when you get a chance, if we could call Job up to the stand tonight. Brother Job would tell you there was a conversation between uh, God and Satan. And you, prayerfully, you remember the story uh, uh, where, the, where Satan uh, presented himself amongst uh, God. And uh, the conversation went about, and God asked the question. Satan had said he had been back and forth, to and from. And the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? And uh, Satan said, in essence, yes, I have. But the only reason why I can't get to him is because you have a hedge around him. But if you remove the hedge, and if you go back and you read the text, Satan was asking God to do something that he couldn't do himself. If you remove the hedge, I'll cause him to curse you to your face. And, of course, if you go ahead and finish reading the story, you'll find out God removed the hedge. And so there are sometimes in life things happen to you and I that God will allow Satan to trouble the water in our lives. So he had to understand the pain of the thorn. Now, before we move on to the next point, anybody want to comment? Anybody want to add to that about a pain, struggle, anything? Wow. Okay, well, we'll move on. So Paul noticed he had to understand the pain of the thorn. But here's the second point that Paul had to realize and understand. He also had to understand the purpose of the thorn. He had to understand the pain of the thorn. But now Paul had to realize and understand the purpose of the thorn. Scripture tells us that we just read, least I shall be exalted above measures. <clears throat> and I just shared with you that God can't get glory out of your life and out of my life if you are the one doing the singing, if you and I are the one that's doing the preaching, or if you and I are one that's doing the teaching or the leading. We have to realize and understand, even in ministry, we are just instruments. That whatever I do, it's not of my doing. Whatever it is that you do, whatever gift that you have, it's because of God. If lives are being changed, if people are being saved, it's not because you have done anything special. But it's the God that is operating through you and I. We have to be careful when we're singing in the choir. That we're not singing for people to look at me. Look at Brian Hood singing. No, it's the God that's in me, the reason why I sing the way that I sing. Or if I'm teaching a lesson, preaching a sermon, and yes, people may come up to you and may say, you did a great job, but to God be the glory, not me. Because I cannot do this on my own. So he had to understand and realize the purpose of the thorn, that God can't get any glory if you and I are top billing, whenever we come to God's house, brothers and sisters, we need to check our egos at the front door. We need to leave our self-esteem in the car, and we need to leave our supposed importance at home. Now, that may be tough for somebody. And don't get me wrong, prayerfully, all of us in here thinks somewhat of our own selves to a certain degree. But against the backdrop of heaven, Brian Hood 
Don't even come close. Because after all, it's not about me. It's not about you. I didn't die for you. You didn't die for me. But it's about God. It should always be about God. And for that reason, we should leave our self-importance at home. Because nobody is worthy of praise but God himself. Paul had to understand that purpose of the thorn was so that he could lean on God. The things that happen to you right now or the things that are happening or the things that will happen to you. There's a purpose behind it so that you will grow stronger and stronger in God. Because truth be told, even as Christians, there are just way too many of us, something bad happens to you. And again, you don't have to raise your hand, but I want to put this out here. Something bad happens to you. You get some bad news. If we're not, if we're not careful, sometimes the first thing we do is pick up the phone and we call mama. We call daddy. Something bad happens, we'll call the pastor. And don't get me wrong, those are some good people to call. You ought to have a good friend that you can confide in. Your mom, your daddy, your best friend, and even your pastor. But there's something wrong with that equation right there. Why is God sometimes either in the middle or at the end of our list when bad things happen to us? Shouldn't God be first? And then after we talk to God, after we petition God, after we seek God, then we pick up the phone to call mama, to call daddy, call our best friend, to call our pastor. But God ought to be the one. And Paul had to understand this in the text tonight, the purpose of that thorn. And even though he was in pain and he was hurting, but God was trying to show him, I need you to lean on me, Paul. Tonight, who are you leaning on tonight? Here's the danger when you start leaning on a particular person. They won't always be there. And whether they move away, whether death takes them away, whatever the case may be, they will not always be there. But I have discovered God is always there. And no matter what time of the day, what time of the night, no matter what the circumstances are, God is always there. He talks about this thorn. He continues to talk about the thorn and the purpose of the thorn. And he says, or we find out in the text, that the thorn regulates the flesh. It regulates the flesh. In our flesh, we think that we're all that in a bag of chips. I had somebody tell me, Brother Brian, I'm not only all of that in a bag of chips, but I'm a Coca-Cola on the side. Well, I'm, I'm glad some of us think that highly of ourselves. Shakespeare said, what piece of work is man? Now, if you and I are not careful, that can mess us up. Because all it takes is 24 hours, and you can go from being on the top to being at the very bottom. If you remember the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, however you want to pronounce it, he thought that he was more than God called him to be. And what he actually did, he took his throne and he put it above God's throne. And the Bible said the very moment that he did that, he grew feathers like a bird and he ate grass like kettle. And it was not until he raised his head that he realized 
who God was. And the Bible said the moment that he realized who God was, his reasoning came back to him. We have to be careful not to take our throne and ourselves and put it above God. Even though you may think highly of yourselves, and again, it's good. You ought to have some self-esteem about yourselves. But you're not better than God. You're not wiser than God. You don't know more than God. I don't know more than God. This is why I have to do this every day with 2 Timothy 2 and 15 said, study to show ourselves approved unto God. When you think that you are more than the one who called you, you are insane. A lot of times we, when you think about an insane person, you think about the people, the men that come out in a little white truck and they come out with the white straight jacket and tie up people to put them in the straight jackets and everything. And yes, we could say to a certain degree, those people may be insane. But when you actually begin to think that you are more than the one that called you, you are definitely insane. There's a show that comes on on TV. I think it's in in, uh, uh, reruns now. But I think it's called The Walking Dead. And you see people walking around like zombies and everything. And I told my wife not long ago when I seen that, I said, Now they say The Walking Dead and zombies and everything. But if you don't know Christ and not leaning and depending on Christ and looking to the hills which come cometh all your help, you're a walking dead person tonight. So Paul had to understand. Paul had to understand the purpose of the thorn. We need to stop thinking that if we don't do it, that it won't get done. Have you ever met some people? If you're not careful, they will have you to believe if they don't do the singing, that singing won't get done. If they don't do the teaching, teaching won't get done. As if teaching and preaching started with them and it's going to end with them. And it's sad to say, but it's very truthful. We have some people like that in our churches who think that they're the only ones that can do something. And who all actually think that if they don't do it, that it won't get done. But this is God's business. And when you don't do it, when I refuse to do it, God always has a ram in the bush. God always has people lined up ready to do his will. So Paul had to understand and Paul had uh, to realize the purpose of the thorn. Here's, a, uh, here's another thing. The thorn, it serves these two purposes to regulate the flesh, but it also rejuvenates your faith. The thorn. How is, how is something that's in Paul's side and he's hurting, painful, and Brother Hood, you have the nerve to say that it can not only regulate the flesh, but it rejuvenates our faith? Many times, brothers and sisters, you and I can do our best, and yet... Your good and my good is spoken evil of. And yet the Bible continues to tell us, be not worried in well-doing. But in due season, you and I will reap if we faint not. So don't worry. I want to challenge you tonight. I also want to encourage you tonight. That in ministry, don't worry about how well you're doing. Or if people are going to give you a compliment or they're going to pat you on the back. Or if everybody is going to clap for you. 
Don't make the mistake that Peter made and took his eyes off of God. Keep your eyes on God and do what God says. Because in due season, you will reap if you faint not. Paul also had to learn here tonight that what God was up to in his life, God was pruning him. Could it be tonight that God is pruning us? Could it be that we are in a season of life where God is pruning us? Here's a question that I want to ask, and I hope somebody who is good at gardening, who loves, uh, who loves flowers and bushes, I hope that you will help me with this. Why is it that once the spring and summer has come and gone, you're in the winter months, and before the next spring and summer come along, why is it that individuals go outside and they start cutting on their trees can somebody tell me that new growth okay what happened if you don't do that why are they going to die they don't have anywhere to go wow okay so you may ask the question again brian what does that have to do with me again why should that be so important to me and again the question I ask you could it be that God is pruning you could it be that you're in a season of life right now where God is having to cut some things away from you because if God does not cut you you'll become top heavy same way it is with the bush if you don't trim and cut the bush the bush becomes top heavy and new branches and everything they don't have anywhere to go Thus, they cannot grow. You ever seen bushes and stuff that's just dripped over to the side, leaning over to the side? And that bush cannot become all that it has the potential to be because it has a lot of other bushes or leaves or limbs, whatever it is you want to call it, that's just really choking the life out of them. Sometimes in our lives, God has to prune us. Now, remember, in pruning, that means you have to be cut. And nobody likes to be cut because being cut on is painful. Again, let me see the hands of those of you who love to be cut on. If you don't believe me, when you get a chance, read John 15 and verses 1 and 2. John 15 verses 1 and 2 said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. How are you going to have a testimony if you've never had a test? If you're trying to go somewhere and you're going on vacation, would you ask somebody who's never been to where you're trying to go? Don't make sense, does it? And if you're like myself, there have been times where I've asked individuals for certain information. And as soon as I get the feeling they don't know what they're talking about, I nod my move to somebody else. And I don't stop till I get to somebody who I know they know what they're talking about. And the reason why they know what they're talking about is because they've been there. You can't be effective outside of these four walls. With your testimony if you've never had a test. Because you're going to encounter people who are struggling. People who are hurting. People who wake up every day and say, why should I even get up out of the bed? I 
can't pay my bills. My children, I didn't raise them like this, and yet they are acting just out of their minds. Somebody who's struggling with a sickness, and they've exercised, they've been on a diet, they're just as healthy as they want to be, and now all of a sudden they're struggling with a sickness. How can you help them? with a testimony, and you've never been tested yourself. And even if you've been tested, you failed the test. Here's the last thing that Paul understood about the thorn. He said the thorn was painful. He learned the purpose of the thorn. But then he understood the promise of the thorn. The three Ps that I like to call it. Pain, purpose, and promise. Paul asked God three times, will you please, Lord, in essence, remove it, remove it, remove it. And every time, no, no, no. It sounds like me when my children ask me something, I'm constantly telling them no all the time. (laughs) Now, I'm not God. And yet, those of you who have children or grandchildren or currently raising children, then you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes they will ask you for something or about something, whatever the case may be, and come back 10 minutes later. And for some reason or another, they think after 10 minutes or one minute has passed, the answer has changed. Don't understand that. But Paul understood tonight, God had to get him to see the promise of the thorn. Where is the promise? Look at verse number 9. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities and the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then notice what he said. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches and necessities and persecution and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Look what God told him. No, I will not remove it, but my grace is sufficient. I've learned sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no, and then sometimes God just say, wait a little while. Now, in this case, he said no. But the thing about God and the thing that I love about God, he just didn't say no and left Paul. But he also, he said no, but he said, but my grace is sufficient. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what it is that you have to struggle with, you always need to know and be reminded that God's grace is sufficient. God is enough. We're living in a world in a day and time where people are preaching and teaching God plus something else. And I want to make sure that you understand tonight, it's not God plus something else. It's God. We live in a world right now where people, well, I've got God, but I also have plan B. There is no plan B when it comes down to God. There is only one plan. That's God because his grace is sufficient. God can keep you and I when nothing else will. And for that tonight, I'm thankful for that. For that tonight, I am grateful. And no matter how messy ministry may get, no matter how hard it may get, no matter who says or who does what, I'm going to do what Paul is doing tonight. Even in the midst of my pain, I didn't say you weren't going to cry. Sometimes you may have to take a handkerchief with you and wipe your tears as you press forward. But don't stop. Don't quit. If everybody else sit down, you keep moving for kingdom's sake. 
a ministry in the midst of the thorn. Questions tonight? Comments? Because guess what? I'm done. Nobody? Set it off, bro. Set it off. Wow. Okay. To God, to God be the glory. God bless you tonight, and uh, God keep you. I'm going to ask Brother Frank if you'll come back. I'm done. Thank you so much. Thank all of you tonight uh, for being attentive. Thank you for praying for me. And as we went through this setting, and I hope you were able to get some nuggets uh, from tonight's lesson. God bless you, and God keep you. Thank you, Brian. <clears throat> uh, it is good to be together tonight. And um, uh, somebody needs to ask him a question. Yeah, I pick on him a lot since he's been here. Well, you said the key thing, pray. Because prayer is always, prayer is always uh, in order. So I would ask that you would continue to pray for me and my family. Um, Lord's willing, we are due uh, to move here on the 17th of uh, February, if uh, everything checks out. So far, everything is checking out uh, pretty good. We found out today that all of our paperwork went through with the home in Columbus, so it is officially sold. So on the 17th, um, on the 17th of February, 9 o'clock that morning, we will go to the lawyer's office to sell our home there and turn the keys over to the new homeowner. Then we will jump in our vehicle, and we will drive up here to be here that evening to close and get the keys to the new home uh, that the Lord has blessed us with. And uh, so I pray for, I ask you to pray for strength, uh, wisdom, knowledge, even patience, because COVID has disrupted a whole lot of things, but then we had the nerve to add in moving and uh, meeting new people and uh, one of our children, uh, she's very excited about it. The other two are very quiet about it. And so we keep talking to them. And we know they don't understand everything, but we try to keep them involved. And uh, being a husband, a father, a pastor, again, I'm that clown because everybody looks to me to build them up and lift them up. But when I need a smile, where do I go for that smile? And that's God. And so uh, I'll ask you to do that. As far as just ministry, church plant, a lot of great things going on. Brother Frank and others have been working with me on that. I won't do that tonight because it's 7.05 and I know you're ready to go home. But my phone number, if you don't have my phone number, please see me after tonight's class. All right, Brian. Thank you. <clears throat> uh, it's been a, a joy for me to get to know Brian over the last few weeks as he's kind of been in and out, and uh, he's still learning how to take my humor. Uh, my wife's still learning how to take my humor. Uh, but we're having a good time and uh, just looking forward to see what God's going to do uh, in and through uh, Brian and his family, and we are looking forward to you being here. So let's pray together, and uh, we'll be dismissed. Lord, again, we come to you with grateful hearts. Uh, we are thankful for your word. Uh, we thank you for your messenger tonight. And uh, I pray uh, specifically that each one of us, as the trials and the tribulation of life come, as you prune and prepare us and mold and shape us into a useful vessel uh, for your work, 
that we would not only recognize the pain of it, but that we would embrace the pain of it in order that we might surrender fully under your mighty hand and allow you to do in our lives what you desire to do in order that we uh, would be effective in expanding your kingdom. Lord, we are grateful that uh, in the midst of the, the pain uh, that uh, you do have a purpose for it and uh, that you have a promise for us that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you will indeed equip us for the task that you've called us to. So we thank you for that message tonight, and uh, we just trust you and pray that you will guide our steps as we go out these doors into our mission field. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.